Morning, everybody. Lovely to see you. A um, couple of notices at the start. Uh, Debbie's leading the service, but I've just got a couple of, uh, as I say, notices to give out. Um, please note next week, uh, as it's the first in the month, we are having our all age service as normal at 10.45 uh, next Sunday morning. But before that, there will be a short and simple said Holy Communion service uh, with a short sermon. So that's 10 o'clock for the communion. Uh, simple communion, and then all age at quarter to 11. Now, hopefully you've been given a flyer as you came in this morning. It looks like that. And I uh, just want to uh, let you know a little bit more about that. It's uh, advertising a very important event we're holding here at Christchurch for Christchurch folk uh, on Saturday the 24th of September. Uh, it's called Sanctuary Day. And it's a day, as it says on the, on the reverse of the flyer, uh, in fact, on the front, it says a day of refreshment, uh, worship, teaching, fellowship, and ministry. Uh, it's being led by a man called Christopher Landau, who leads an organization uh, called Resource. And he will be here on that day to help us to draw into God's presence and to, uh, to bring some teaching and to help us enjoy each other's company as well. Uh, we're going to be praying into this day as we go through the summer. I'm going to be talking to uh, various leaders about that. Uh, so we will be praying into this event uh, throughout uh, August and into September. Uh, but I wanted just to, to draw your attention to it today. We will talk about it more as we go along, uh, as I say, through the summer as well. But uh, if you look at it and you think, yes, definitely I want to do that, uh, you can book in via the website. There's a, a button on the front of the website, church website, and then you can book yourself in. Uh, through through that, doing that. So, but I will be talking about that a lot more uh, as we go through August into September. Over to Debbie. Good morning, everyone. May I add um, my welcome to Peter's. It's lovely to be here worshipping with you this morning, whether you're here with us or whether you are worshipping online. Um, we're continuing with our series on 1 Peter, and today our theme is the people of God. And Peter is going to be speaking to us um, on a section from chapter 2 later on in the service. Thank you to Sue and our team of singers who are going to be leading us in sung worship today, and thank you as well to John and everyone else who is involved 
um, this morning. Now there's not, oh, I'm looking, I don't think there are any orders here actually. Oh, there is, sorry, you were behind Joyce, welcome. Um, there is a table over here um, with some activities on, so for um, Aisling and any other children who, who come in, Jack and Hilary are going to hover around, and I've had a look at it, and there's some fun activities on there, so if you get bored at listening to reading me or Peter at any point, then um, you can go and you can engage with that, just children though, please, <laughs> if that's okay. Right. So as we focus our minds and our hearts on God, let's just have a brief moment of quiet and then we're going to pray um, the prayer of preparation together. So let's just be quiet for a moment. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and forever magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. 1 Peter verse 9 that we're going to be hearing a little bit later on in the service says this but you are a chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation God's special possession that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light isn't that an amazing truth and an amazing encouragement to start our service with this morning. So let's declare the praises of God right now with our first two songs, Light of the World and My Jesus, My Saviour.
altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. And I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross. And I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross. Here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me.
Amen. Please do sit down. Nothing compares to the promise that we have in God. And as we come into his presence and as we worship him, we become aware, don't we, of the ways that we have um, let him down and, and let other people down. And so we're now going to uh, come to that time in our service when we pause and reflect and we say sorry to God. And today we're going to do that interactively. Now, I did this fairly recently um, at a 1045 service and it seemed to go quite well. So um, as I was preparing this, I thought maybe it would be good um, to do this again this morning. So I really would like to invite all of you, um, whether you're the youngest person here or whether you're the oldest person here, um, to join in with the actions as well as the words as we, um, as we do this confession, act of confession together. So um, there will be the words on the screen and there's an action to go with each one. So I'll guide us as we go through. And if you can join in with saying the, uh, the words with me as well, that would be wonderful. So let's pray together. So first of all, can I encourage you to make a fist? And we say we are sorry for the times we have got angry with other people. Now, can you point away from yourself with your index finger? We're sorry for the times we have blamed others and seen things wrong in others without recognising how much is also wrong in us. Then close your hand up and hold it to your chest. We are sorry for the times we have kept things selfishly to ourselves and not been prepared to give to those who need our help. And then your hand over your mouth. We are sorry for the unkind words we have spoken, which have hurt other people. And your hand over your eyes, but so that we can still see. We are sorry that we have deliberately chosen not see the good things we could have done to help other people and a hand over one ear. We are sorry for the times we have not listened to the cries of those who are poor or who suffer injustice. Amen. And now we're going to receive God's forgiveness into our lives and into our hearts. So as we do this, um, can I encourage you, if you feel comfortable with that, to hold your hands open in front of you as a sign that you want to receive God's forgiveness and all that he has for you. Let's say together. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon us, pardon and deliver us from all our sins, confirm and strengthen us in all goodness, and keep us in life eternal. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And now, as forgiven and restored people, let's stand together and sing our next song. Thank you for saving me.
Be seated. I'm going to invite, I think it's Stuart up in a moment to do our Bible reading, but just a reminder of the um, activities um, if anybody wants to make use of those. Thanks, Stuart. Today's reading is taken from 1 Peter um, chapter 2 verses 9 to 17, and it's on page 1218 of the Church Bibles. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, 
as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As you probably probably realise, Debbie and I and uh, the girls uh, have been away on holiday for a couple of weeks, and re uh, recently, and uh, we were away from church for two Sundays. Uh, but with the wonders of technology, I've been able to catch up and hear what you were hearing uh, while I while we were away. And so, a couple of weeks ago, Ursula preached on a passage in one Peter chapter one, and she was speaking on the topic of holiness and be holy in all you do, says Peter. And then last week you had uh, a visiting preacher, Alex Aldous, who came to very, very kindly accept my invitation to preach on the first part of chapter two. And uh, <coughs> Alex encouraged us, encouraged you, encouraged all of us to remember uh, that we are living stones. And as living stones, we are being built uh, into the temple of God. We are being uh, formed, we are being shaped uh, by him uh, to be individually and together those who are, as Peter says, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Wow, that's a high calling, isn't it? God has called us to represent him in the world. He's called us to represent him to the world. 
And as Alex said last week, that means not just me who wears a dog collar, who is ordained as a priest in the Church of England, uh, has uh, as a vicar, that's uh, me as a priest, but that's not covering everybody else. That's all of you. When Peter is talking about a holy priesthood, he's talking about every one of us, all of us, you and I, are the people of God. And together and individually, we are the holy, we are a holy priesthood. And as a holy priesthood, we are called to intercede for our neighbors, for our friends, and live a holy life that attracts others to Jesus Christ. So maybe you're thinking, wow, but also how? How are we to live like that in this world that we're in? How are we to live like that in our society, in the street where you live, in the village if you live in Basin Hill or the, the part of Shrewsbury you live in or out of town, wherever you live? In this day, in this age, in this culture, how are we to live like that? Well, today we reach a theme that hopefully is right at the heart of your and my identity as a Christian. Your and my identity in Jesus Christ. And that is the very biblical idea that if we are Christians, if we believe in Jesus Christ, we are what we might call an alien in residence. And so Peter the Apostle says in verse 11 of chapter 2, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles. Now I notice it's slightly different wording on this. It's still the same meaning, aliens and strangers. And it's a deeply held notion that we as Christians just don't quite belong in this world. It's almost a, a, you know, a feeling you get. You're just not quite at ease uh, and not quite in the right place. I wonder if you've ever felt like that. That you just don't quite belong. You're just not quite in sync, as it were, with those around you. Uh, as I said, Debbie and I and, and Naomi and Miriam, we were away in France for a couple of weeks. And uh, we were staying in a lovely little gîte in the middle of nowhere. Uh, it's uh, in a, an area of France called the Limousin. Uh, if you know where the Limousin is, it's, it's an area, a lovely area. It's about 400 kilometers south of Paris. Uh, we flew to Bordeaux, but we weren't staying that near Bordeaux. We we're about three hours inland from Bordeaux. And uh, basically, uh, when I go to France, I like to try and speak their language. I did some French at school. And uh, I like to, when, I, when I'm there, just to try and speak a bit of French to the French. Now, my French is okay, but it's a bit rusty. You know, if you haven't speaking a, spoken a language for a while, it gets a bit rusty, doesn't it? And sometimes I was struggling to get across to someone in France, you know, what was I, comment se dit en français? How do you say that in French? I, I was saying to myself and to the person I'm speaking to quite a lot. And so I'd be in a shop, and I was, you know, there's one occasion when I was trying to find something, and I just couldn't think of the right word for it. And I was sort of using my, you know, hand signals and kind of pointing and kind of, you know, the gesticulating kind of, you know, thing, trying to explain what I, what I was trying to say. But as an Englishman in France, I, you know, at times, you know, I was just a bit out of place. I didn't quite belong in that place. And it's a bit like being, being an alien in residence. 
And so it's along those lines I'm thinking. This is, this is the kind of the way I'm thinking here. But of course, it's a lot more profound than that experience of being in France. And it's much more profound than that because we're thinking about the fact that we are Christians in a very non-Christian world. And the nub of the issue is this. How are we to live in this world if we don't quite belong here? And that is what Peter the Apostle is addressing head-on in his letter to the early Christians in 1 Peter. So having set out this identity that we have, so he's, he's laid that out very clearly throughout chapter 1 and then going into chapter 2, as you heard last week, he lays out our identity as a holy nation, as a kingdom of priests, as a chosen people. He then writes, Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Did you hear that? He calls them foreigners and exiles, strangers and aliens. But also, I wonder if you heard his urgency. He says, dear friends, I urge you. He's, he's pleading with them, urging them. And so this isn't a, a, you know, a passage we can gloss over. We don't, obviously, we don't gloss over anything in Scripture, but this is not a passage to gloss over. This is a passage to wrestle with. We need to wrestle with this. Uh, if you and I are wanting and trying to live for Christ in this world, and that's what we're going to do in a few, for a few minutes together, we're going to wrestle with what this scripture is saying to us today. So remember who Peter is writing to. Go right back to the start of the letter, 1 Peter, chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles, scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Let me reread something I, I said in my first sermon on this series. I said this, the church, the body of believers scattered throughout the known world, is in need of advice. How are we to live in this world? Do we simply conform and live like everybody else? Or do we stand out and risk our very lives? Do I live in this world or do I hold out for the next? Or can I have a leg in both at the same time? Such are the issues you face if you are a Christian when Paul is writing in the first century AD or in the 21st century AD. So that's what I said in my first sermon on 1 Peter a few weeks ago. And so Peter's advice to the early Christians, this is what God is speaking to us in Scripture. He says, dear friends, I urge you, I plead with you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. And so Peter is addressing this question, how do you relate to the, the culture, the society that's around us? And he's saying that fundamentally, most importantly, we need to know who we are if we are to live out our faith in the culture we're in. So how do you and I live in this world 
as a believer in Jesus Christ. And so Peter says, you are, we are, foreigners and exiles, strangers and aliens in this world. As I said in my first sermon, it's like we're a legal alien. Uh, it, you know, it's that sort of sense of we're a visitor, if you like, to this world as, as a Christian. We're a stranger. It means that you sometimes just feel a little bit uncomfortable because you know you belong somewhere else. And as I say, it's a very biblical idea. It's, it's, a, it's a strain of thought that goes right through Scripture. And note, as I said, is a legal, we are legal aliens. We've got the right to live here. We've got the, you have a right. If you're a, a citizen of the United Kingdom, you have the right to live in this country. Of course you do. You are a citizen of the United Kingdom. You have the right to reside in this world. Of course you do. But there's a key difference. Our citizenship is from another world. Or found in another world. We'll get onto that more in a moment. Uh, many of you all know that Debbie and I and the girls lived in Australia for a few years. We uh, lived in Perth. Uh, we left in 2012. We lived there for four years. Not a terribly long time, but long enough to get to know the culture quite well. And one of the things I will always remember about living in Australia is that pervading sense that I am not Australian. As I say, it's, it's almost you can't quite pin down why but you just kind of know sometimes that you are, I, you know, I just knew sometimes that I was not an Australian. Uh, obvious things like I didn't have an Aussie accent. Uh, Miriam picked up a bit more of an Aussie accent as we went along, but, you know, she, uh, that, I, I, can't, you know, I, was, I had an English accent all the way through. Um, I, I was not, uh, I, I was aware that I hadn't grown up in, in Australia, so therefore when we got into conversations with people, you know, in our home group, whatever it is, we're talking about children's programs, and they were talking about a children's program they used to watch in Australia back in the 19, whatever it was, 70s, you know, 60s. I, it didn't mean anything to me because I wasn't growing up in their culture. Uh, one of the funniest kind of examples of it was, you know, we, when we say to each other, how are you? That's our greeting, isn't it? How are you? Um, in Australia, they tend to say, how are you going? That's, the, that's the how they would say that phrase. How are you going with an Australian accent? And so when somebody would say to me, how are you going in Australia? I then had to make up my mind. Am I, am I going to correctly answer grammatically and say, well, I'm going by car or I'm going by bus, I'm going by taxi? Or do I, you know, reply with, well, I'm going good uh, or all's good? That is the Australian way of replying to that question. Now, you see what I'm saying? It's, you know, I wasn't, I understood what they were saying, but it wasn't my way of saying it. And so if you've ever lived in another country, you'll know about this dilemma of just not quite fitting in. How much you try to, there's a pervading sense of a little bit being out of place. You know, a stranger, a foreigner, a visitor. And so Peter says, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, aliens and strangers. Why is he urging them? Well, he's urging them because they're under the microscope. They are being watched intently. Uh, these, these people, the Christians of that, of that age, that day and age, they know that they are being watched every single day of their lives. They're living in the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire is not Christian at that point. 
Not only are they being watched, they're being persecuted, as Alex told you last week ago. They are being persecuted for their faith. And so there's, if there's any reason at all, any excuse whatsoever, they are thrown into jail and worse, fed to the lions, etc., etc. Sold into slavery. Peter gets on to the, the question of slavery after this passage. And so that is why Peter urges them to lead a blameless life. And so he goes on to say in verse 12, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day, on the day he visits us. And so what Peter's saying there is essentially don't give them a reason to persecute you. Don't give them a reason to say, well, you're not actually, you know, you don't behave, behave, behave in the way you're believing. You, you, there's a contradiction in the way you uh, behave and believe. And Peter says, don't do that. Live such good lives. Live better lives than them. And then they will glorify your Father who is in heaven. Live with integrity, is, is essentially what he's saying. Uh, live with integrity in Jesus Christ. Live such good lives. And I'm sure you can relate to that too. There's nothing worse, is there, than you know, Christians who say one thing and then do another. Who say they believe one thing and then do another. You go to church on a Sunday and then behave badly the next day or, you know, like other people in the office or around and about you, wherever you live. There's nothing worse than that because it brings the name of Christ into disrepute. And so nothing hurts the cause of the gospel more than failing to live out what we believe. Gandhi said this, uh, and unfortunately I think there's a lot of truth in it. He said this, I like your Christ, I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Now that's a hard thing to hear, isn't it? And I'm, I'm not saying blanket, of course, you know, Christians do amazing things. We live amazing lives. But sometimes, sometimes, we let Christ down. So how are we going to live in a way that glorifies God? How are we going to live lives that are are different and distinctive for Christ. So I've got three suggestions for you. They all start with the letter L for ease of remembering. It's not the whole, you know, I haven't got the answer to this completely here, but these are three suggestions as to how we do this, how we live distinctively for Christ. Three L's. So you've got a different leader. You've got a different law. You've got a different language. Three L's, leader, law, and language. First of all, as Christians, we have a different leader. Now, I'm not even going to go into the Boris Johnson thing at this point, um, but we have a different leader. Christ is your leader. Jesus Christ became your leader the day you said yes to him, the day you bowed the knee, the day you said, I want to be a Christian, the day you turned to him, however you want to put it, the day you own his name, Jesus Christ became your leader. If you've got a Bible, look up Philippians chapter 3. Um, the Bible's around, I think, in the, on the chairs, under the chairs. So if you want to look it up, it's Philippians chapter 3, verse 18 to 20. Don't worry if you don't want to. I'll read it to you. But uh, this is a, a passage that, that 
Paul is writing to the Philippians. And it's a similar kind of argument he's putting together here about living for Christ. And um, he says to the Philippians, chapter 3, verse 18, For as often as I have told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but know what Paul says now, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now Paul, as I say, he's constructing an argument similar to Peter here, and he's, he's talking about how to live for Christ in this world distinctively. And he's saying, again, Paul is always head on. He never really evades anything. But Paul is saying here that the plain truth is that people who are without Christ follow their own desires, their own passions. And he's, this, he's got this phrase, their God is their stomach. What, what he's getting at is, in other, he's saying, in other words, they are their own God. By saying that. He's saying that, that you know, people make up their own idols of all sorts of things. And sometimes they are their own God. They seek fulfillment and pleasure and purpose in, any, in anything other than God. But, says Paul, but if you are a Christian, your citizenship is in heaven. If I had my passport here, I would you know, use it as an example. But, you know, yes, I'm a citizen, a citizen of the United Kingdom. But more than that, my citizenship is in heaven. And I follow the king of the kingdom, who is Jesus. Paul says in Romans 13, Yes, we submit to earthly authorities, who are placed in authority over us by God, but ultimately our leader is Jesus Christ. We follow him. You know this, don't you? The first people who believed in Jesus were called people of the way. And later they became known as Christians. But, but people of the way is the way that we were first known as Christians. We have been known ever since that time as people who follow Christ, people who are on the way, because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus said, follow me. Didn't he say to, the, to his disciples, follow me? The fishermen had to choose to follow him, leave their life behind of, of fishing for fish and follow him to fish for people. And by choosing to follow Jesus, they were symbolically saying, I choose Jesus. I choose his way. I choose to leave my old way of life behind. I choose his way and to follow him and what he wants. And so Jesus has said that ever since to anyone who chooses to follow him. Follow me. Anyone who will be my disciple, follow me. Jesus wasn't advocating a new religion. He wasn't, he wasn't beginning a new institution. Jesus is, was initiating and is still initiating a new relationship. A relationship with God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus has initiated throughout the ages. And a, a relationship with God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he invites us into that relationship with him each day. 
So we've got a new leader, who is Jesus. Secondly, what makes us different is we've got a different law. Now, as I've said before, just now, we follow Christ. Yes, we follow Christ, but we are still subject to the authorities who are ruling over us, the, the, the government that God has placed over us. We are still subject to their authority. And so Peter says these very telling words in his letter. He says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority, to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. And that means that we are submitted to them for the Lord's sake. It means that we are still subject to the laws of the nation where we live. We're still subject to the laws of our authorities. But therein, of course, the minute you start thinking about that, there's a difficult dilemma, isn't there? Very difficult dilemma. What do you do if the laws passed by your government are immoral or wicked or plain wrong? What would you do if you were a, a Christian in Nazi Germany, for example? Would you have obeyed their laws or would you have stuck your neck out and disobeyed? Uh, we were on holiday in France, as you know by now. And uh, we were near a place that we wanted to visit, a place called Oradour-sur-Glane. My best French there. Oradour-sur-Glane. It's a town, this is uh, uh, quite near Limoges, about 20 kilometers uh, west of Limoges. And it was a town where the most awful atrocity was committed during the Second World War. Basically, the whole village, the whole town was massacred by the SS on one day in June of 1944. We, we went to see this place and we, heard, we learned all about it. The whole population, which uh, amounted to over 600 people, from babies through to those in their 90s, were massacred one day by the SS shot dead. They hadn't done anything wrong. They had committed no crime. They weren't Jewish. But the SS had decided that they were to die because, simply because they had the power to do so. As an act of terror. And so it made me think, it made me think about many things as I was walking. You can walk around the, the town that's been left as it was on that day by the French government. They've rebuilt the town next door. But you can walk around this town as it, as it was left on that day. And it made me think, what would I have done if I was living in that part of France at that time as a Christian? What would I have done? What, what, would I have kept quiet and kept my head down and not objected and, you know, all of that? Or would I have stood up and, and, and said, that's outrageous what you've done and probably been shot myself or put in prison or whatever? And these are really difficult questions to answer, aren't they? Really difficult questions. And so how do we live in a way that honours Christ and our government? Now, humanity has a tendency to make laws, doesn't it? It's how society works. Hum humanity, to, to live together, we have laws to enable us to live together. Without laws, we don't know the boundary of things. We don't know the, the limit of things, if you like. We don't know what we're allowed to do. Just think back to COVID. 
uh, the lockdowns. We had uh, week after week after week of different guidance, different, different uh, you know, this is what you're allowed to do, this is what you're not allowed to do. Almost every week there is different guidance coming out from government. And so if you couple that predisposition to make laws, human laws, with a godly calling to live differently, you can very quickly end up with, with religious legalism. Which is an attitude that says, I'm not like you pagans, and I'm so therefore I'm going to enforce my difference by living by enforcing a code or a religious rule. And so as Christians, we've got a, we have a predisposition, I think, to mark ourselves out as not being like them. But that's what the Pharisees did. That's what the Pharisees did. They said to the people of Jesus' day, we are not like them, them pagans. We're not like those. We are holy. We're not going to live like irreligious pagans. We are going to be holy, and therefore we're going to construct a whole series of laws and regulations about what you're allowed to do, what you're not allowed to do. Hundreds of petty laws were constructed. Petty legalism. And Jesus denounced them for it. If you read the Gospels, Jesus is absolutely against that. Over and over again, he denounces that. Now listen to this. You may or may not agree with me here, but this is, this, I, 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 think, I, this is, I think this is true. Man-made rules which seek to enforce difference can only end up displeasing God. God looks at our hearts. He's looking at what's going on inside us. He's looking at our heart. He's looking on the inside. Way back in 1 Samuel, he said to, 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 to Samuel, he said, look for the heart. This is, David is the one who is mine because his heart is set on me, says God. God looks at our heart. The Pharisees looked okay on the outside, but on the inside they were like unwashed tombs. Holy on the outside, but on the inside rotting away. And so, no, we are called by Jesus to follow not a human-made law, but God's law. Human law ends in death. God's law ends in life. Because it's God's law is the law of the Spirit. So Paul says in Galatians, he says, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Why? Because the law of the Spirit leads to us going in the character of the Spirit, which is the fruit of and that is the fruit of the Spirit. So you live in the law of the Spirit, you live growing in the fruit of the Spirit, which leads to life and not death. Now, you know the fruit of the Spirit. You can recite this with me. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so Peter, he's, he's, he's calling the believers to refrain from sinful desires. It's very difficult to refrain from sinful desires. He's saying, don't act them out. Don't, don't act on them. Instead, he's saying, live out the way of the Spirit. A list of rules will never enable us to live for God. And so that's why God has given us his Holy Spirit to live inside us, so that the Spirit grows in us, the fruit of the Spirit. He enables us to live him as the fruit of the Spirit grows in us. And so that's how we live for him, and that's how we please God 
That's how we live on his way, the way. None of this is easy, by the way. This is, this is you know, we, we, we live this out each day, don't we? So we have a different uh, leader with different law and lastly, a different language. As an alien in a different country, you're not going to quite fit in. You're going to be different. And often a country is defined by their language. And if you don't know the language, you know, you, they're going to know pretty quickly that, you know, it's not your country necessarily. And so think about my struggle to speak French in France. And so as a citizen of heaven, we speak a different language. If your true residence is the kingdom of God, your citizenship is in, in the kingdom of God, then you will speak that language and understand that language. And it's the voice of the master that you will begin to pick up and hear and understand. So what does Jesus say? He says this, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. John 10, 27. And so as you live for Christ, you begin to discern what his voice is. His voice sounds different to any other voice. And you will begin to hear his voice speaking to you each day. As I say, this is not an easy thing. This is, this is part of being a disciple. It's, it's living for Jesus. And so you'll begin to pick up the voice of Jesus speaking to you. There may be a, a little nudge in your spirit. Go and speak to that person. There may be a, a conviction that you need to stand up for someone, or co a conviction that you need to stand up for what is right. Or someone's reputation is being tarnished and you need to stand up for them and say, no, that is not right. It's, it's about that sense of, you know, truth and beauty being upheld in the face of corruption or deceit. And as I say, it's, it's not like a, any human voice. It's, it's almost like an internal voice you're hearing, not audibly. There's a sensing of his presence. You know he's with you as you chat to, to your friend and your friend is sharing with you a dilemma and, 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 and the Spirit helps you to approach that dilemma differently in a godly way. You go out and about and, and you know, walking around and you see God's creation, the beauty of his handiwork. This is the spirit of Jesus speaking to you, calling you, encouraging you, compelling you to live for him. And so therefore, as I finish, you and I, as a citizen of heaven, we have a different leader, we have a different law, we have a different language. To live out this calling to be an alien and stranger in this world. In such a way that those around us see that and say, wow. And give glory to God. This is a high calling, isn't it? This is the highest calling there is. As citizens of a far country that we have that calling to live for God. But it is a country that is ruled by a king who is coming back to reclaim his own. Which is you, which is me, which is the church around the world. The precious sheep of his fold. Let's pray. Father, as we 
consider these words of Peter written so long ago and yet so, so true and relevant for us today. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would reside in us and that you would grow in us the fruit of the Spirit. That as you grow the fruit in the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit in us, that we would live that out in the world, living in a way that is full of love, full of joy, full of peace, full of patience. In a way that draws others to you. Lord, the glory doesn't go to us, the glory goes to you. And so, Heavenly Father, would you glorify yourself as you enable us, as you call us to live for you in this world. Fill us with your love, we pray in Jesus' name. Peter. So there's lots to um, take hold of there and I want to um, just give us an opportunity before we move on um, to be able to just reflect um, on that a bit more. Um, he said about us having a different leader, a different law and a different language and as I was thinking about having a different leader, I was thinking that often the leader I want to follow is actually me um, and uh, yeah, my wants, my desires, my way of doing things. I don't know if that's just me, but um, I think uh, often that can be the case. And so um, the way that the, it seems to me that a good way to, to begin or to, to restart perhaps in terms of living with Jesus as our Lord and our leader, and that's a choice, isn't it? One that we make daily, hourly, minute by minute is to surrender ourselves to him. And so we're going to have a song now um, on the screen. It's called All to Jesus I Surrender. And can I encourage you whether you want to just sit um, quietly and um, reflect on that and what that might mean or whether you want to stand and sing that, I'll leave that entirely up to you as to what you feel you'd like to do. But let's just uh, spend a moment doing that and reflecting on what we've heard this morning.
Let's just pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you have called us out of darkness into your marvellous light. We were once in a dark place with no way out, but you chose to forgive us and bring us into the light. We have been chosen by you as your very own valued and treasured. You have called us to represent you to others and to testify to your goodness. Help us to reach out to the lost, lonely and hurting with your words of truth. Lord, we give thanks that our church is placed in the heart of Baston Hill. May this beacon of light radiate its warmth to our village and community. We lift to you our church leaders, our children's work, and the many other ministries that take place in this building, for the staff, volunteers, and all who are committed to growing your kingdom. We pray too for families, especially at this time of school holidays, for the children, parents, grandparents and carers. We pray for restoration and refreshment for those able to get away on holiday or have fun days out. We remember families who have to juggle childcare because of work commitments and changes in routine. And for those whom holiday time is difficult, we pray for the ongoing work of our children's ministry within church and school and for good contacts to prevail during this holiday break. We lift to you those in our fellowship who are hurting, suffering ill health, loneliness, or grieving the loss of a loved one. May they find their source of comfort in you. Dear Father, we bring before you our government, 
especially at this time of uncertainty, that they would govern fairly and justly at all times, that you will guide the government to make right and informed decisions for the future of our country. In the election of a new leader, we pray that your godly wisdom will prevail in the hearts of those making this decision. We pray for peace and strength for your faithful servant, Queen Elizabeth, as she continues to work for this country and commonwealth. Lord, we pray for our world, for peace and hope to abound. Many have been affected by natural disasters, continuing conflict and political unrest. The effects of the global pandemic still trouble many countries and people. We have seen recently the effects of global warming with wildfires and great floods raging throughout the world. Many people have lost all they possess. At times like this, may we lift our eyes to you, for you are our refuge and strength. The Dutch author, Corrie ten Boom, wrote, The blacker the night around us grew, the brighter, truer, and more beautiful burned the word of God. If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you will be depressed. But if you look at God, you will be at rest. Thank you, Lord, that our rest comes from you. Loving God, strengthen our faith and help us to be bolder in how we live our lives in service to you. Give us faith that can move mountains. Help us and equip us to always be ready to give an answer when challenged by those who do not know you. We pray all these things in the name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Malcolm and Hilary. We're going to share the piece in just a moment. Um, Peter has sent some new guidance out this week um, to service leaders. And um, so now that um, COVID numbers uh, in Shropshire are falling um, once again, um, he would like to encourage you to feel free to move around to share the piece with one another if you feel comfortable with that, um, whilst, of course, continuing to be aware that there are some who would, uh, or there may be some who would still like to maintain um, a social distance. Now, in terms of um, us knowing um, what um, other people might want or trying to discern that, can I suggest this morning that we try, um, when after I have... Um, given the invitation to share the piece, if you would sooner that nobody approached you um, to share that with you, um, can I suggest that you remain, that you sit down so that we know that that is what you are um, preferring and we will just see how, 
how that works. But if you'd like to move around and share the piece, as long as you're doing that with somebody who is standing, um, please feel free to do that. Does that make sense? Okay, we'll see how it goes. So can I invite you please to stand? Christ is our peace. He has reconciled us to God in one body by the cross. We meet in his name and we share his peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you and also with you. So let us offer one another a sign of God's peace. And so before we share communion, let's stand and sing this song that reminds us who Jesus is. There is a Redeemer, God's own Son. Let's stand to sing together.
We're going to be using Eucharistic Prayer F. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. You are worthy of our thanks and praise, Lord God of truth. For by the breath of your mouth you have spoken your word, and all things have come into being. You fashioned us in your image and placed us in the garden of your delight. Though we chose a path of rebellion, you would not abandon your own. Again and again you drew us into your covenant of grace. You, you gave your people the law and taught us by your prophets to look for your reign of justice, mercy and peace. As we watch for the signs of your kingdom on earth, we echo the song of the angels in heaven, evermore praising you and saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Lord God, you are the most holy one. Enthroned in splendour and light, yet in the coming of your Son, Jesus Christ, you reveal the power of your love, made perfect in our human weakness. Amen. Lord, we believe. Embracing our humanity, Jesus showed us the way of salvation. Loving us to the end, he gave himself to death for us. Dying for his own, he set us free from the bonds of sin, that we might rise and reign with him in glory. Amen. Lord, we believe. On the night he gave up himself for us all, he took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Amen. Lord, we believe. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Amen. Lord, we believe. Therefore we proclaim the death that he suffered on the cross. We celebrate his resurrection, his bursting from the tomb. We rejoice that he reigns at your right hand on high, and we long for his coming in glory. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus, as we recall the one perfect sacrifice of our redemption. Father, by your Holy Spirit, let these gifts of your creation be to us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Form us into the likeness of Christ and make us a perfect offering in your sight. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Look with favour on your people and in your mercy hear the cry of our hearts. Bless the earth, heal the sick, let the oppressed go free and fill our church with power from on high. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, gather your people from the ends of the earth to feast with all your saints at the table in your kingdom, where the new creation is brought to perfection in Jesus Christ our Lord, by whom and with whom and in whom, 
in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honour and glory be yours, Almighty Father, for ever and ever. Amen. As our Saviour has taught us, so we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that Christ died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving.
In the darkness we were waiting, without hope and without light. Till from heaven you came running, there was mercy in your eyes. To fulfill the law and prophets, to a virgin came the word. From a throne in endless glory, to a cradle in the
the body of Christ keep you in eternal life. Amen. The blood of Christ keep you in eternal life. Amen. And so let's pray for those who can't be with us here in church today. Father, we lift you those who can't be here today for whatever reason, maybe illness, uh, housebound, suffering in different ways. Lord, we pray for each and every one. You know each one, you, you know and love each one. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would minister to each one too. Come upon them with your gentle, gentle Holy Spirit and pour out your love and uh, may you be speaking to them in Jesus' name. Amen. And we pray this prayer together following communion as well. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. And so our final hymn is a really wonderful hymn. And can it be that I should gain an interest in my Saviour's blood? Reminds us again of who we are in Christ. We are his. We are his people. We are called as living stones to be his people in the world. So let's stand and sing our final hymn together.
Hallelujah. Do have a seat. Um, just before we end, um, Libby's got a bit of a testimony um, stroke kind of, I don't know what to call it, to share with you. So Libby, over to you and I'll uh, pray the final blessing. we just come back from Keswick <coughs> and the theme this week is holiness. Well, we, we were there. Well, it is all week. It is holiness and grateful. And they were saying really the same message that Peter's given us today. We're living in an alien world. There are all sorts of things happening to our children, our grandchildren, our young people, our family relationships that we have to question because of what we believe. And they were saying to us, it's not going to get any better. It's going to get worse. Don't run away from it. And I want to run. I face, I have to tell you, I want to run. There are things happening and I want to run. But they were saying, and they reminded us, and I'm reminding you this morning, I am chosen. I'm part of a royal priesthood. I'm part of a holy nation. I'm God's special possession. And it's only when I can grasp those things from here into here that I can live in the alien world. And I would urge you to go home today and not just to think, oh, that was good. It's going to happen. It's going to get tougher. We can't just sweep it under the carpet. Because you've been called out of darkness and he's put you into his wonderful light. Because you've received mercy, Paul urges us to stand and live for what is good and blameless. And you'll never be able to do that unless you know that truth in you, that you are chosen, you are special, you're a royal priesthood, part of a holy nation. If you want to hear it, Go online. Excellent. I think God's trying to tell us something, isn't he? Sorry? <laughs> I think God's trying to tell us something, isn't he, Libby? Absolutely. We are a chosen people, a holy priesthood, chosen to live for him in this world. So as you receive this blessing, as we receive this blessing, let's hold on to that and let's... Uh, shy for Jesus in this world. In fact, let's say this to each other because this is the, the, the blessing in Numbers. It's the blessing that God called Aaron to share over the people of God. So let's say this, bless each other as we say this. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So we go in peace to love and serve the Lord in the name of Christ.